0: Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson. And I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life, and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to GLE. I got a rock star guest for you today. This individual spent some time on Cirque du Soleil and has since been really focused on impacting leaders and and really impacting the service industry from a leadership perspective and she's doing some really cool things we got connected online and i'm thrilled to have her on the show today and really have a, a first conversation with her get to know her a little bit and also share her with my gle network because she's doing some really cool things caroline Maley, welcome to gle how are you this morning
1: Good. I'm so good. Thank you. And hey, some of the best conversations are the first conversations, right? So I'm excited.
0: I'm excited too. This will be fun. So we were just talking a little bit before the show about your background, but I really think you have an amazing story that I want to share with my audience. So, so talk a little bit about your background and, and how you've gotten to where you are today now starting this, this leadership coaching adventure you're on.
1: Yeah. So I've always, uh, I started off in the service industry. I grew up in Australia uh, and I really naturally fell into leadership. I, I felt that I was always, I, I naturally had some of that skill set that a good leader has, even from an early age. So I kind of found my groove quite quickly in, in that respect. And uh, quite early on in my in my career, so to speak, I uh, ran away with the circus, as they say. I joined Cirque du Soleil and I started, uh, I was always in the front of house teams. I started in the hospitality side and then where I really found my my really Ah, where i found where i really love to be was really in the vip experiences so that was a 10 year span of my life of my career and I worked in 17 different countries, leading teams in all, in, all over the world. And, um, and I also, away from Soc de Soleil, I also ran the entertainment department on a cruise ship. I'm a full-time traveler. I'm currently in Europe, in, uh, in the Mediterranean. And, and all the way up till now, where I have a leadership program, like you mentioned, for up-and-coming leaders, the new leaders that are stepping into their first leadership roles, their first career, at the beginning of their career path.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I'm jealous of you being over in the Mediterranean. My wife and I got to visit Santorini a few years back and and we're in Greece and Italy and we stopped by Paris and, you know, we still have some places we, we need to get over there like Spain Barcelona, that sort of thing. But um, man, it, it's a beautiful part of the world. I'm jealous.
1: It's very magical, the Mediterranean. I write a lot of poetry about the Mediterranean specifically because It has something that it's quite undescribable, you know, it it has this underlying magic that just pulls you in. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, you, you were surrounded by the Mediterranean on your trip. I'm sure you can attest to that, but yeah, it's a pretty special place.
0: It definitely is. Definitely is. It, uh, I think for me, you know, with my Christian background and just knowing the Bible, just being able to walk and see places where, where they, they talk about in there, you know, coming from the States and, and being in the States your whole life. It's very, you know, a very different type of history behind everywhere you go over in Europe. But um... the same
1: with Australia. I grew up in Australia. I'm I'm half French. My father's French. And I, I definitely associate more with my European heritage uh, as as opposed to the Australian side of me. But it was the same. The first time I went to Europe, I was 18 years old. And I grew up in a in Australia where we don't have, you know, buildings and cathedrals from you know, hundreds and hundreds of years right, ago. There's right. artifacts from thousands of years ago. Uh, and so like you said, you went to Greece, you go in Athens and stand in front of the Acropolis and the Parthenon. And you think of start thinking about the Greek gods and mythology. And it's just this whole other world, you know, coming from Australia, quite a young country, you know, as well. So I totally relate to that.
0: So half French and, and Australian is your is your mom?
1: Yeah, my mother's from New Zealand, actually. I was born in New Zealand. It's a huge like uh, amalgamation of many different uh, heritages and, and cultures in there. But I always tell everyone that my soul is from the Mediterranean. That's where I feel most connected. So, Very yeah. cool.
0: Very cool. What, what did your parents do?
1: So my father was always in finance. So started as an accountant, uh, was CFO of a number of big companies over in Australasia Australia. And, um, my mother actually, she was always in the healthcare fields, but she went back to university in her fifties and we actually graduated together. Uh, you know, me as a 20 something year old and graduating with my mom, it was actually really, really cool. So yeah, health, uh, healthcare and then in uh finance side.
0: Wow. Very cool. Very cool. So you mentioned earlier, it, it stuck out to me cause I resonate with it a little bit. You mentioned growing up and you felt like you kind of always, had a, a leadership sort of skill set or, you know, it was sort of a natural thing for you to step into leadership roles. And, and that resonates with me because that, w- that was kind of my history growing up through my, my younger days. And, and I'm just curious, like, what is that skill set you're talking about? Is, is there anything specifically that you picked up on early, the specific skills where you were like, you know, maybe I am, I am better suited in, in a leadership sort of role?
1: Well, I was the eldest of three girls so I think that that's where that kind of seed was planted. Uh, I was very very bossy apparently and very very impatient so uh, that's how I that's what my sisters tell me anyway (laughs) and so you know that's kind of where it started. Obviously those are not two qualities of a great leader Um, But I was always kind of, you know, leading my sisters and organizing things. And I like to organize. I like to be the organizer of things, you know. And then I also grew up a gymnast. I I was a gymnast for pretty much my entire childhood all the way through to to high school. And I started coaching very early on when I was about 12, 13, just kind of a junior coach, just helping like with the little kids. And that's really where I started to see. I, I started to really understand the importance of how you communicate to someone so that they understand what you're saying in gymnastics for example if you tell a five-year-old to do a skill that has a name they're not going to know what it is right Right. and also when you're five you don't really have as much body awareness as you you do later on in life so right so (laughs) I, I learned really early on that I needed to use my words and also in gymnastics actions like pardon <clears throat> I me, mean, I could demonstrate, but how to communicate in a way that was going to make the other person understand. So that was kind of my first glimpse into leadership and especially around communication. And I think that is really where I saw a little bit of that spark. And then I think the second element was same in that environment in coaching gymnastics. I love to see the reaction that I got. You know, I loved when the kids would run over to me at the beginning of class. And I love to have that feeling of, positive impact and I think coaching gymnastics was really my my uh, the first time I really felt that and uh, that feeling has of course stuck all the way through even to now it's one of the it's one of the best feelings I think as a leader when you can feel how much you've impacted someone just through the work that you're doing with them and the connection that you have with them
0: I love that absolutely love that the the communicating in a way the other person will understand I, I you know I I come growing up from an environment and i'm not i'm not uh talking negatively about my family in any way but i was around a lot of people that they would get frustrated right if they're trying to explain someone to, something to someone else it's like you know it's your fault because you don't understand me it wasn't it wasn't a hey i need to figure out how i need to change the way i'm communicating to this person because they're not they're not getting they're not getting it and it's and that's not that person's fault that they're not getting it. It's my and it, it's my fault because I'm not communicating it effectively. And so that's a that's a huge leadership shift in mindset that I think you nailed it. You know, you're learning as a coach to do that to, to young children, and young children are a great example of of that, right? Because they are so moldable. And and I I think it is like ever since starting to do the podcast and and put uh, leadership content out. When when you hear and can see people being impacted in a positive way by by your leadership, it's really a special special thing, and um, you know you realize how you can impact so many people. And I'm, I'm curious, like from your Cirque du Soleil days, what was the real turning point for you to say, you know, I I I can do more, I can impact more, I can I can go do other things that I I feel really Call to do or, or passionate about was there like a turning point for you to kind of push you in this direction?
1: I think what I and and to, to your point around communication, I mean we're talking communication when we can speak the same language, right? Like you and I right now, but there's a whole element of communication where how can you communicate with someone who does not speak the same language as you and i'll give you the perfect example i'm living in montenegro here the language is montenegrin which is very similar to serbian it's a baltic language i don't speak it at all. i speak a couple of languages montenegrin or serbian is not one of them now because we're wearing masks every day when we're going to the supermarket let's say i cannot even communicate like from here down I cannot communicate with my mouth you know usually I'm very much used to being in environments where I don't speak the language as a traveler I'm, I'm always in that environment but usually I'm able to smile I'm able to kind of use my facial expressions the minute you put a mask on your whole bottom half of your face is gone right so Sometimes I think, oh my gosh, I hope they can see I'm smiling like with my eyes or something because it's that, that whole element, that whole element has been now just completely removed. So that is something that I did not expect. And I kind of laugh at it every now and then I'm like, how can I tell you that I'm smiling? How can I show you I'm smiling without you seeing my mouth? It's it's a really interesting concept to, to think about, but yeah, language is really where I, where I kind of found my leadership style change for the better. You know, I was in places where my staff, even though the mandate was that they had to speak English, I'm pretty sure in the interview process, the question was, Do you speak English? And then they just say yes. And then that's yeah. it. You're in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't really a deep <laughs> dive into language skills. Right. So sometimes I really was not able to communicate with my staff. Now, to Soleil, like any kind of Front of house, hospitality, events, entertainment um, environment, it's very fast-paced, right? It's quick. You're dealing with lots of people. They're coming to watch a show or they're, they're at an event, something like that. And so I was in so many situations where I could not really communicate quickly with my team, but I had to, I had to find a way. And again, that's where the language comes into it. And even how can I, how can I remove all the big words and really dumb down my vocabulary so that we can communicate. And it's really interesting when that happens because your ego really steps in and challenges you, right? Like if I have to speak as if I was speaking to, let's say a five-year-old and I'm not talking about this negatively at all, just, just in terms of the language skills, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, I think to myself, Oh, I don't really sound smart as a leader. I don't really sound like an expert because of the way that I have to communicate Whereas when you think about it that's actually quite the skill set is okay, how can I communicate this in the simplest way possible, remove all the slang, remove all the big words just so we can actually that message really needs to get to that person just because of the style of the, the work. How can I do that in a way that is going to be effective? And so that's where for me communication is a huge part of leadership. And you know I'll, I mentioned to you before we jumped on the, the interview that I was in Russia for three months. And I could not communicate with my staff at all because (laughs) I spoke about five words of Russian and they didn't speak English for the most part. So I was leading a team through a translator. Wow. And it was was honestly such a huge, when I think about it, it was really integral part of my leadership journey. But just imagine, I'll never forget this moment. I, I like to, I have a lot of energy and I kind of like to joke around and, and, you know, like kind of break the ice like that. And, and I remember just standing in front of this group of like 15 people and I told a joke, can you imagine like telling the joke kind of chuckling to yourself? Cause you think it's funny, <laughs> blank, blank stares on their face because the translator is translating. Right. And then there's this like, crazy delayed reaction it was the most awkward i'll never forget that moment but again it's like how now i have to really showcase my leadership style and lead these guys through almost like a third party right through a translator so, yeah, I think that to, to answer your question, language is really where I found my stride and where I found my strength as a leader in the way that I could, I felt like I could lead really well, no matter what language we were speaking in or what the language barrier was. Now, obviously not straight away, but right. that's where I've grown to to develop those skills.
0: My wife's a, a multilingual Spanish speaker from a Mexican okay. family and half her family is Uh, Spanish speaking so you know when we go visit her family in Mexico I'm the gringo from up north right uh, you know I stand out 6'3 big white dude down in Mexico who doesn't speak a lick of Spanish at all (laughs) and um, so I resonate with you and uh, you know I think it's funny how when you're talking about communicating with a mask on I have trouble communicating in English with people wearing masks and it's like can I not hear like I know I can hear well and so I, you know, I'm realizing how much just seeing their mouth, seeing that physical expression impacts the way we communicate, because all you do is just do that. And I can't understand what you're saying.
1: Exactly. Right. It's wild. Um Exactly, and even to even on the language thing. Like I, I noticed this in in the United States when I first started touring. I came straight from Australia, so the level of slang that was in my vocabulary, I didn't even realize. And I remember, I remember one time I was kind of running out of the 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 work area, and I said to my staff, "Guys, go take out the rubbish before you leave." And they were like, "Rubbish? What's rubbish?" And I was like. <laughs> Trash. Okay, I'm never going to use that word again, because I personally, you know, for me, it's not part of my vocabulary. I'm like, go take out the trash. And so it's really interesting, even in the same language, when you're dealing with people from all different countries, it's, it's really interesting to pick up on the things that you say every day but actually other people don't don't use it as part as their of their own vocabulary so sometimes i think that's really funny and as a leader again imagine if every time i communicated in that way imagine in that moment if i'd got really frustrated and annoyed at them you know yeah instead right. it's it was a laughing matter we kind of joked about it but it's like you quickly have to go oh okay that is not i cannot communicate in that method what's some other vocabulary that I can pull from really quickly. So, yeah, it's something that, that I guess you don't think about if, if your environment doesn't change a lot or if you're not used to people from many different places. But that has been my reality for the most of my career. So I love kind of diving in and, and talking about it from that point of view.
0: I absolutely love that. You know, the importance of getting broad experience is something I've learned so late, you know, later in my life and that I, you know, wish I would have had more opportunities. Like we, we traveled all around like the Midwestern United States. Right. Right. And there's some variability state to state or whatever. Right. But nothing like going to a different country where they're speaking a different language from a totally different culture. You know, we, when we went to London, my wife and I absolutely loved it over there because because we could communicate to a certain degree. But it was like you said, go on to Australia. You know, they, they use a little bit different vocabulary. And so there's a little a little bit of learning there. But I loved your story about the joke and the delay in the joke. I'm actually a student of stand up comedy. And, and uh, my, my brother and <laughs> I
1: What's that. Was that? You must really relate to that. Or you must have felt that at least that me standing there in front of that group.
0: Well, I, you know, when I see good leaders get up and speak or, or anyone who's a good speaker can get up in front of people and really just like make a room spin. Like I've heard, I've heard uh, comedians talk, like, you know, it's like, you're, it's like you're doing a trick. It's like, you're spinning a plate on a stick and you're just right. up there doing your trick and like, nobody knows what you're doing. Like very few people can actually see what's happening during a stand-up comedy routine and um, you know it really is I think the truest form of public speaking if you can actually get up on a stage and do stand-up comedy um, yeah. but I'm just fascinated by it and so you know that was a perfect example of, of how timing and, and just the smallest little things in a joke right? make it work right and how something like a translator can just you know totally throw that off right
1: well I think also also really how you feed off what you can see straight away, right? Like I was waiting for their reaction to almost validate my joke. In this case, it was a joke, but we could be talking about anything, like just leading a team in general, if you're giving them instruction, If if you are not able to immediately see the impact of what you've just said, it's very hard to determine, is that the right? Did I say that correctly? Maybe mm-hmm. even the case, did I offend someone, you know, right. do they understand? Cause especially when you're dealing with languages, if you say, do you understand? The answer is always like, yeah, 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 yeah. Even though they have no idea what you've just said. Right. And so yeah. it's when, when you have that delayed response of reaction, I think it completely throws everything off and you're, there's a few minutes of panic. So it's, it really, It really showcases that importance of our visual cues in when we're standing in front of a group and leading and instructing and and advising and and no matter what, or even storytelling, I would say, it's like how much you feed off that immediate validation from what the crowd is saying, or if you can feel that things are not going well, like they're not responding, they're shutting down, naturally you tweak, right? And you go, uh, and you adapt and you change something in your delivery or the messaging.
0: Yeah, you're so right. That that is such such an amazing amazing message you just shared. To be able to adjust, and that's what comedians do, right? They get they go out on stage a hundred times, two hundred times with the same joke, and they mold it, and they craft it, and they simplify it, and they tweak it. and And you you touched that earlier, simplifying your message to a point where people can understand the premise. And I think I think leaders often fail because they don't they don't set up the, the premise, the why, the you know, why are we doing what we're doing? What's the motive behind it? How can I help people want to do what I'm asking them to do? And and you know, we're kind of touching and getting into sort of that experience side of things and, and leadership creating an experience for people. Cause I think that's you know, that's ultimately what what you're all about. So I, I'm curious, like share a little bit with our audience how your experience in creating experiences for people in Cirque du Soleil and in the service industry you know how does that translate to leadership skills from your perspective
1: yeah so I think so I mean Cirque du Soleil they're arguably some of the best experienced creators in the world right uh whenever you go to an experience uh, to a Cirque du Soleil show you're going to be astounded or there's going to be something that happens in that show that is going to take your breath away for the most part and so I feel like that has shaped me, me a lot. And, and sometimes when I would feel, you know, a little bit complacent or a little bit like, oh, or kind of fed up with my work and what I was doing, the strategy that I used is I would go sneak into the big top, just stand at the back, you know, in the pitch black, and I wouldn't watch the show because I've, I've seen the shows that I worked on 100 times, let's say. So I've seen that, you know. I would actually watch the audience and I would watch the kids that were like you know, like laughing or big eyes, you know, I would watch people literally go like this as they saw something death defying, I would watch people laugh and and, and it was the most incredible moment. And then I would kind of jump back out of the big top and then there'd almost be like a new spring in my step, you know, because I'm not watching the entertainment, I'm watching what the entertainment, the impact that the entertainment has on in this case, the audience. And when I think of it, you know, from a leadership point of view, that was huge in thinking, I need to focus firstly on how I want my teams to feel, whether that's on a daily basis, whether that's in their in their career path with me, if they stay with me for a month, if they stay with me for three years, how do I want them to feel when they're with me? How do I want them to feel my leadership skills is actually adding to to their lives and 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 helping them develop and so when i speak a lot about experiences with people and especially people that have physical experiences and they want to improve them that's the very first question i ask how do you want them to feel the other person to feel once they've gone through that experience and i think we don't often consider that i feel like it almost we take it for granted right oh we want them to have a positive experience yeah we want them to know the things so they can do their job for example but do we really take a minute to go huh okay here's my team in front of me how do i want them to feel even at the end of this day like if you if you really simplify it and so i think that is the very first question that as a leader we should be asking ourselves and it could be you're, you're the leader of your family. You know, you're the leader of your community group. You're the, no matter what, where, how you associate yourself with leadership. I think it's the very first question that, that I think is so important. And we just, we never really consider it to any great lengths. And I think it's a shame.
0: I think you're right. Have have you heard of Chris Voss?
1: Yes. I, I just, yeah, I just finished his book. Yeah. Oh,
0: did you? Yeah. So
1: yeah, he's he, splitting the difference. It's called, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I love Chris's stuff and, and that's a fantastic book. He, um, he talks about, uh, just being playful with people. Like when you go to the supermarket or when you go to the store or target or where, you know, wherever you're going, just being playful with people and like, and, and being fun. And, and if you can, like you said, leave their you know, what's, what's their experience going to be like talking to you? You know, and and so 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 many people are just kind of in their own world, right? They're they're worried about what they have going on, and and that's where when we get into creating experiences and and really serving other people, I think leadership becomes truly a service, right? It's it's an outward focused mindset, and and for people who are internally focused all the time, it's hard to it's hard to get that, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I also think sometimes we overcomplicate it. I feel like sometimes we think about experiences and we think we need a big budget or we need a big following or community, or we need all these resources. And, you know, I have a, an interview series on YouTube called the experience creators. And I, and I interview experienced creators from all over the world, from all different fields. I just interviewed a magician, then I interviewed a videographer, personal branding expert entrepreneur, and really the conversation is around the premise of the question, What elements make an incredible experience? And what's really, really interesting is they all have completely diverse answers because of their expertise their background, their realities. However, there is always commonalities throughout the answers, which I find really fascinating. I can't wait to ask the question because I'm like, oh, it's coming. Like I know I'm gonna find (laughs) these like nuggets. And the four main commonalities are personalization. How can you make your experience personalized? So they feel special, right? The second is either a sense of belonging or connection that's pretty self-explanatory right we all want to feel connected to to other people in some way the third is memorability how can we make this as memorable as possible so that in 10 years time they're still talking about this experience and then the fourth is shareability especially now in the world where we want to experience something and we also want to share it and so I find that really interesting to, I think we overcomplicate it. And if we bring it back to those four elements Mm -hmm. and we think, you know, even if it's just like you mentioned, going to the supermarket, okay, look at those four elements. How can we achieve at least a couple of those in that moment? And it can be quite simple, but I think we, sometimes we throw all these big terminology around and then we think we have to, to go to all these seminars and trainings and all this kind of thing, but it all comes down to that How can we connect with someone like you said so so we we feel connected to them we feel special through how they've personalized it it may just be acknowledging their name if it's in a group or acknowledging maybe something that's happened to them recently or a goal that they're working on you know and and so yeah I, I think those are the four key elements and I think if we just simplify it a little bit, just take take all the like the, oh, what, how should I say, like the glitter around it, just <laughs> remove all that and bring it back to those four key elements of what makes an incredible experience. I think it is actually quite easy to achieve, especially on a day-to-day basis.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I you know, I never thought of it that, that in that light of, of it being just easy to do, you know, fairly, fairly simple, maybe not easy, but simple, I would say, you know, it's, but, it's yeah. a simple thing. I'm finding that, you know, nothing's really easy out there, but there's a lot of things that are more simple than others. I'm an engineer by training, and so I, I've had to constantly fight my vocabulary and, mm. you know, making things crisp and, and simple. Is is not easy for most engineers or you know technical sort of people. They like to, you know, they were basically trained to get up and, and talk about how smart they are and, and prove how smart they are right. by their by their dissertation, logical, right?
1: Logical mindset, right? Everything Very logical,
0: right? Everything. This is the only way to do things, and your right. way is not my way, so it's wrong.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Creativity <laughs> you know? is not is not necessarily part <laughs> right? yeah. of the conversation. But I
0: love that. So personalization. Yeah. Belonging or connection, memorability, and shareability. And if you, if y'all, she mentioned her YouTube channel, the Experience Creators. Make sure you go subscribe to her YouTube channel. I watched a few of those videos before our episode, and um, really great content there. So make sure you go check that out. Let's talk a little bit about better your leadership and and that program. I I, uh, I was looking into that too, and I saw something that that stuck out to me. It was it was a specific um, little section for the younger, you know, maybe younger, more inexperienced leaders who maybe have some self doubt or, or insecurities, like who, like, who am I to be a leader? Cause I dealt, I dealt with this a lot as a young, as a young man and still do. And I think everybody, everybody to some degree still does, but talk a little bit about, about that and, and um, what you have to share with those young leaders who are aspiring and, and maybe dealing with that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm so passionate about leadership specifically as it pertains to young people because I think sometimes we don't give enough credit to the leadership journey when it first starts out you know where we have these young guys starting in new roles maybe they're you know 20 19, 20, they've had one or two jobs and now they're stepping into a leadership role when you're the, when you're that age and when you're at that stage of, of the leadership journey for the most part your leadership style grows really based on your environment right so if you have great leaders around you amazing but there are also the case where you don't have great leaders around you you have experienced leaders or you have leaders who are just toxic or they just don't know how to handle difficult situations and that comes through and how they communicate how they make you feel and so I know for myself as a young leader when I was that age and even all the way up even all the way up to recently, I was always begging like to have some kind of leadership training, development training. I was always kind of eager to do those, all those things. And it never really came for the most part, I would say for 85% of the roles that I had, I never had access to that kind of extra learning. I had to do it all myself, Mm -hmm. which of course now, uh, has been a positive because i'm able to step into this kind of role but i really wanted to create in a nutshell the program that i wish i would have had when i was first starting out and so i'm very connected to to the content i'm very connected to the messaging and the impact that i want to have and the curriculum really focuses on three main sections leading yourself so that's self-leadership right leading your team which you could classify as employee experience and then leading your guests so this is for the service industry so when you have customers when you have uh, passengers even when you have guests and that that could be classified as as customer experience but there's a large the the focus really is on leading yourself and just think of when you were 20 years old like how much did we do around self-leadership? I think it's such something that we come into so so much later, right? In our adulthood in our career and it's such a shame that it's not really focused on earlier on and that's where i see myself that's the role that i want to play and so that's where that, that's what this program is all about so it's for those young up and coming leaders who who want to take that extra step and learn about leadership really straight away so that they can apply it really really quickly and i think if if more programs kind of existed like this where we were talking about self leadership we were talking about Understanding our own triggers, how we react, understanding our own mindset, like growth mindset versus fixed mindset, understanding these elements about leadership and self-leadership. Man, imagine, imagine the leaders that we would create around us, right? Totally. So
0: that's totally. What it's all about. Totally. And we're not taught that in school, right?
1: Why? Wow, you know, it's kind of like
0: business or anything else. Like no, no one's teaching people this stuff, yeah. um, but it is out there if you want to go look. So, you know, I, I think it is, you know, I think back to my twenties and, I wasn't focused on, on this stuff and growing myself and leading myself. Right. And (laughs) there's an element with everyone I've spoken to on this show and um, so many successful people, they, they always talk about consistency and consistently doing things that might not feel like doing in the moment, but they're the little things that are going to get you where you want to go. And I think everyone I've spoken with has a common trend of consistently leading themselves and growing themselves and they're doing things daily to consistently lead themselves to have the right mindset so they're prepared when they go to their their uh, leadership role and and they're prepared to have those tough conversations they're in the right mindset and and you know they know themselves enough to to walk away when they're when they're maybe not in the right mindset right and and not have those conversations. Then. <laughs>
1: Yes, exactly. So self-awareness, I think such an underrated skill. And I think if you are really, if you're really dialed into yourself and how you react, like like pulling up those moments where you're like, you know what, I just need to take a step away. I think uh, it's you're at a whole different level already just by really truly understanding yourself. But you have to be able to ask yourself very intelligent questions, but also able to take time and, and figure out what the answers are, you know?
0: Totally, and my dog's losing his mind over here in the background, so if you hear if you hear the dog bark and that's moose my my camera dog sometimes he gets distracted
1: conversation. He's the
0: <laughs> he likes to be on the show occasionally <laughs> occasionally but um yeah I absolutely love that absolutely love that and i uh I'm curious you mentioned how you liked v i p experiences, and I always think. There's certain types of people who look at the, the VIP sort of people in a negative light, like they think they're better than other people or, um, you know, that, that I think what for for many people with sort of a fixed mindset and not a gross type of mindset, when they see people that aspire to more and want success and, and want nice things, they they inter- instantly interpret that as like arrogance or, or they're selfish or something like that. And, and I'm just curious your perspective on that VIP mindset. Cause I, I absolutely think, you know, creating VIP experiences and, and I know from my experience being in them, you know, they feel great. Like it's a, it's a wonderful feeling and being around that is, is the environment that, that I personally want to be in. I want to create that for my family and my teams. So how do you create that? And, and what makes that so important for you?
1: Yeah, I mean don't get me wrong, there are of course the arrogant, selfish people in I I dealt with that on a daily basis in my head listening to them talk to me going I think- Serious right now like are we actually having this conversation but of course that was my inside voice right but of course there of course in in that style in that dynamic where you are dealing with a higher priced entry point higher priced offering of course you're going to you're going to have that that kind of a, a person in there but what is really great about vip experiences and this and this really I speak about it also from a creator's point of view is this is where you're really able to get quite personalized. And if we go back to one of the elements that makes an incredible experience, it's personal, personalization, right? So when you are able to add elements to the experience that, can make it highly personalized. Like to give you a practical example, at Cirque du Soleil on any one night, you know, the big tops sit two and a half thousand people, but in the VIP, the capacity was 150 people, let's say so i actually had a lot of time with my guests and that is the thing that i loved the most i got to see them before the show during the show and after the show so i got to kind of go on that roller coaster ride with them you know at the beginning they didn't know what to anticipate or maybe they've seen a couple of shows so they're ready intermission they're kind of like oh like it's the the atmosphere was just so energetic and vibrant and then after the show usually they're just like Oh my gosh, I didn't want that to end. That was the best thing ever. So I got to kind of see the difference in the energy throughout at the different stages of that experience and I think by by watching that night after night after night it really taught me a lot about every single stage of the experience is very important. And I think oftentimes we don't really think about that. If we think about experiences that we go through, you know, oftentimes there's one element of the experience that's really great. But, oh gosh, at the beginning and then the way they spoke to me and they lost my ticket and then, and then, so now you're in a terrible mood. Oh, but there was this one bit that was really great. Oh, And then I had to wait two hours to get out of the parking. And so it's really interesting to consider the entire journey. And, And what VIP experiences allows me to do as the creator is to deal with, A group size that's smaller so that I can add more personalization I can be a lot more intentional with how I'm doing things and I think when we're looking at creating it's such an important consideration how can I maybe reduce the, the group size a little bit so that I can create a little bit more impact and so that I can touch them at every stage of the journey not just in one main main moment
0: so, what, what stood out to me and, and just like rang to me for what you were saying, because I, I loved, I absolutely love that. You're, you're spending more time and yeah. you're basically investing more time and spending more time with people. And I think leaders often can get so inundated and just busy with stuff. You know, oh, I've got this and this and this to do. I don't have time to focus on my people. And yeah and they neglect the most important thing, which that they're there to do, which is create that experience and lead their people. And, and, you know, I absolutely love that. And that's why, that's why it's so, 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 so important leaders. I want you to, I want you to remember this point that, that Caroline just made, make sure you are dedicating time and, and you need, it's making time for people. You know, it, it really is a matter of, of making it a priority to focus on your people And like, like the VIP experience here, like they, they made it a priority to focus on this, this number of people, you know, they, they pay a little more for their ticket or whatever, and they create an experience for them and it better be good or they're not going to pay for it again. Right.
1: Right. And I think the other, the other really interesting part of my role when I was with Cirque du Soleil is, and I had two months with my group of people and then we would move cities and I'd do it all again. Right. So I had two months to connect with my team However, I really only had a very small amount of time to make that initial connection. For the most part, we would train our staff. We'd be given our staff. So I'd be meeting them for the first time. I would train them for about three hours. And then we would then we would go and do the premiere of the show, which is the most important night. The first night is the most important night in any city. And so I had to find ways, and I only was able to do this, I think, through... A lot of trial and error, but I had to find ways to connect very, very quickly because I did not have the luxury of time. And I wanted to make that connection. I wanted to impact them straight away. I wanted them to trust me from the minute they met me. You know, I wanted to create that dynamic within the team. And I feel like sometimes as leaders, we think that this is a very long extended process that we need to go through onboarding three months, maybe there's a trial period for six months. And you know, then we'll get to know them after that. And, and I learned that the the most successful teams that I ran, the most successful operations that we had were when I could connect with my team. Mm-hmm. At the, at the earliest possible moment, and where I felt that reciprocal connection back from then, that's when it was on. That's when we were so good as a team, you know. But it took a lot of trial and error. A lot didn't work, and then of course I'm changing cultures. So sometimes it would work brilliantly in one place, sure, and then I'd get to the next place, use the same strategy, and they're just like, what. Like who who are you? And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> so it's constant trial and error. But I think it's that's very a key point for and that leaders often don't consider immediate connection. How can you do it? And a lot of times I think it's through storytelling. It's through how can you come across in a way where they either, maybe they see themselves in you, right? They want to be that aspiring leader. So they, they connect with you immediately on that element, or maybe you have a really great story. You know, the easiest way sometimes for me to connect with people, especially in, in, in different countries around the world, was to say I was from Australia, because then people start talking about kangaroos and they start talking about like <laughs> sharks in, on in all the beaches. And yeah. but and that that was my strategy in places where I knew that that was a, almost like a novelty, So it's like figuring out, like, how can you connect immediately and then maintain that connection and kind of build that trust. But very quickly, I think it's possible to do that very quickly. Um, But you have to put, like you said, put that work in, make it a priority.
0: Is a blooming Onion really an Australian thing?
1: No, that's an American. (laughs) It's just
0: Outback Steakhouse.
1: it's so funny you say that because i was having this conversation (laughs) with people people recently like i was mentioning that i'd gone to that restaurant and i was like what is a blooming onion and they're like you know (laughs) (laughs) i'd never seen it before in my life till i was in america and i went to outback steakhouse (laughs)
0: yeah we americans can figure out how to make any healthy vegetable unhealthy by deep frying it (laughs) (laughs) right um So one, one thing that, that I want to ask you, because I'm I'm curious how it works in different cultures. You you were talking about connecting with people. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about, and and I learned this recently from, from folks like Gary V and Brad Lee, is they talk about, you know, to get trust from your people. uh, Jocko Willink talks about this, to get trust from your people, you need to, you need to give trust first as a leader. And, you know, it's lots of, lots of leaders think, oh, you know, they need to earn my trust before I'm going to give it out. But, you know, it's really hard for your people to trust somebody that doesn't trust them back. And so is that something that works in every culture? Like, do you see that being something that resonates in the different cultures or are there certain cultures that maybe think about that differently?
1: Yeah, I would say for the most part, that was always my strategy. Um, It definitely backfired. Like I, there were some moments where I gave too much leniency or I gave, I came across too relaxed and that really slapped me in the face in terms of our operations. And I was not able to build that leader mentality, that rapport back up in the time that we were together. Um, But one strategy that I continued to use, especially as I mentioned that I had that, that restraint of time was I immediately said, guys, this is the kind of leader I am. And I would say, you know, I, I, from the very first moment, I give you guys a lot of leeway because I expect you guys to think outside of the box. I expect you to be creative. I expect you to come to me with ideas. And if we are able to form that kind of a bond, and if we are able to come up with new ideas together and improve our operations together, that's where our strength is going to be as a team. And I say, I don't micromanage. And I say, but you know, the minute that you guys take advantage of that, that, that can quickly change. So because I didn't have time, because I didn't have a lot of time with these guys, I started to try that strategy and say, this is what you can expect in the next two months from me as your leader. And I have to say that for the most part, it really did work because now after me talking for 10 minutes, now they kind of get it. They get me, they know who I am. And and they also know, I think, if they're going to respond to it or if they're like, Oh, like, Oh, that doesn't sound good at all, but at least they know. Right. Right. And at least I can get their feedback even visually straight away. And so, but I, I also think sometimes that takes a bit of courage to go, this is the kind of leader I am. And instead of waiting and, Oh, I hope they like me. I hope they respond well to me. I hope they kind of do what I say in a way. By putting your heart on your sleeve as, as the saying goes you are able to I think build that rapport and just establish that connection quite quickly uh, for for the majority of people and they're able to see to see see you not just as a leader but as a person really 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 quickly. So I started using that and it worked and I was like, huh, okay, I'm just going to roll with this until it doesn't work anymore. But that was the strategy that I used And I think, especially for new like young leaders that are in their first couple of roles, I think it's a nice strategy because it, it just, it's, you're, you're sharing yourself, right? It's storytelling. You're, you're telling them about you. So generally, that's a little bit easier than thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have all these leadership strategies. Oh, I, don't, I don't know all the all the terminology. I don't know how to handle these situations. So if you lead with yourself and your own story, I think sometimes that connection can be made quite quickly and, and very to, to a really deep level.
0: I absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. And I pose the question to all you leaders out there in the GLE network, or, or maybe you're sitting thinking about leaders you've had. When was the last time that you sat down and, and shared with your people who you are as a leader and how you want how you will be communicating as a leader and how you want your people to communicate with you and really taught your people how to communicate with you and, and how you're gonna communicate with them and set those expectations? Cause I, I, I think many leaders don't take the time to do that. And and something that simple can be life-changing. I mean, from day one, you know, it doesn't have to take a lot of time. Like you said, you didn't have time in Cirque du Soleil. You had two days or, or one day or whatever, right? It, it needed to work because yeah. you were, the show was going on. <laughs> so, exactly. you know, it, it, had, it had to happen. And, um, you know, I, I just think about that. And I think that's a great takeaway for our audience and all the leaders out there. Make sure you teach your people how you want them to communicate and how you're going to yeah. communicate and set that expectation because so few do that. And I think it's it's a huge tool to be able to do that. And it does take courage. I think you yes. nailed it. It does take courage to do that.
1: I think it takes courage. And I also think you have to live up to what you've just said, right? If you, if you right. say, you know what, I'm not a micromanager and then a, a week later, you <laughs> micromanage the hell out of your team. And immediately your, the trust is gone and there's no sure. point in starting with that conversation. So as long as you're able to live up to, to the hype that you just created around your own leadership style, I think it's, it's, it's a great strategy. It's definitely worked for me in my experience.
0: Well, for sure. And I think you can set the expectation too, since nobody's perfect, right? We're, we're not going to be perfect in our leadership. So you can like, that's another expectation. You can set. like, Hey, look, I'm not perfect and I might fail at this. And and I just want y'all to know, you know, none of us are perfect and, and, I know y'all are going to probably have failures too and we'll work through those together, but, but um, this is where I want to go. And um, I think that's amazing. That's a, that's a great piece of advice. We, we need to remember.
1: You know, there's a book. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Alive at Work. It's by Daniel Cable. It's a great leadership book. I would highly recommend it. And in this book, he talks about there's, you know, there's, a, there's a whole element of kind of culture and purpose. Right. And And I think oftentimes with organizations in particular, you know what the values are in the mission statement because they're all over the website and they're probably in your onboarding manual and they're up on a wall most likely somewhere. But oftentimes it's just empty words, right? And it's usually buzzwords as well. So they lose a little bit of their impact. And 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 what he really, there was a sentence in the book and I was, you know, just when you read something and you're like, damn, like, wow, that was so good. And he really was talking about that idea of purpose. And he said, you know, you can talk about purpose. You can tell you can sit there in front of your team and talk about purpose all day long, but they actually have to, they, it's not just about hearing what the purpose is. They actually have to experience the purpose for themselves and really find where their uniqueness in the team actually, actually adds to that purpose. And so Even when you think of that leadership style, that conversation, having that conversation with them straight up about this is the style of leader I am. How can you help them experience your leadership style and not just listen to you say it? And I think it's something, again, like we've mentioned that we don't often consider, you know, but if you're able, if you stand in front of them and say, this is the kind of leader that I am, and they don't really see that in the first, like, let's say week, then then your messaging is off or you're, or you're in denial about what kind of leader you are, maybe, but again, how, how do they experience it? If they, if, if you say one thing and, and then they experience it and they're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it now. I see that in, in her leadership style. Connect again, connection or um, automatically made.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. We got to do what we say we're going to do. And, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, such a big thing. I love that point and And it's a great one to end on. Caroline, this has been super fun chatting with you. One of my favorite conversations.
1: Oh, <laughs> Let people
0: know where they can find you if they want to learn more about what you're doing.
1: Yeah. So uh, the experienced creators on YouTube, it's uh, I just am so in love with that project. It's like my baby. I love, uh, I'm sure like you interviewing people and diving into really how we can create more impactful experiences. And then in terms of social media, and then my website, it's just my full name that I'm sure you can check the spelling on this podcast, CarolineMaley.com and on all the other socials.
0: Awesome, Caroline, make sure you go check her out. The Experience creators on YouTube, better your leadership com is your program if you're interested in that and caroline it's been super fun have a great rest of your afternoon over there in montenegro i'm jealous oh,
1: thank you this
0: has been amazing thank you see ya. if you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content please share it and send them over to go lead to learn more It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go